0: You're no longer in charge because self moves out the way, and he takes over. So we ask you to speak Jesus with us this morning. Amen. scriptures this week. And it's on the Bible app, for those of you who use the Bible app. And it's Romans 8 and 18 where Paul talks about if you know the story of Paul or you've been in church, you know all the trials and tribulations that Paul went through. And this daily refresh says that's why I don't think there's any comparison. You hear me? I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful, that's us this morning, in worship. The joyful anticipation defense. I was listening to Love over the past week, and one of the songs came on, and then they asked a very important question. Who am I, Lord, to not worship you?
1: Yes. Who
0: am I to not worship you? Yes. Well, we're here to tell you this morning, you don't have a choice. You do not have a choice. You are to worship him. You cannot be a child of God, and the Bible says, come into his presence and remain the same. So as we prepare to sing the blessing, you just know that he will open up the windows of heaven and pull you out a blessing that you have not room to receive. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it even
2: seatbelt but he showed that to me and he says my love is kind of like a seatbelt right and when you put a seatbelt on you know it straps you in you're, it makes you feel comfortable there's there's a safety net there you, you feel like you're some people just wear it because they have to but once you wear it long enough and you don't something feels out of control you feel like there's something wrong with you when you're not wearing the seatbelt and you feel like just weird you're like man this is uncomfortable when I'm not wearing a seatbelt right and you see pe- and here's the thing the seatbelt never leaves the car like I'll see people driving down the road all the time without a seatbelt it's just dangling there waiting for you to put it on now so I guess I'm trying to figure this out because he kept showing me the seatbelt and he says but here's the problem when you click me and i'm around you and i'm I, i'm all over you right you're safe it doesn't mean you won't get in an accident it doesn't mean something's not going to happen what it means is when it is i'm there right around you to get you through it to keep you comfortable to keep you safe man but man we take that seatbelt off sometimes and you just don't wear it and then all of a sudden you're like man it's just natural not to wear it and you get comfortable being in a, a uh, an opened area where there's nothing controlling, nothing, nothing covering you, nothing securing you. And it's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be. So he was showing me that seatbelt and I was like, man, and I didn't say anything, and then I'm so thankful you came back to that because there's just something and you, you need to you need to click in with his love. His love needs to yeah. click in around yeah. you. Use it all the time. Never walk away from it. Man, there there needs to be a... You know, I'm thankful. (laughs) I'm thankful for the military because, man, we had to get on base. You had to wear a seatbelt. I don't know. I I didn't grow up with seatbelts, right? We grew up in the back window. You grew up laying on the floorboards, right? But then once the military said I had to wear a seatbelt, I learned to put a seatbelt on. And I can't imagine... Getting in my car right now, the very first thing I do is put my seatbelt on. And that's the same thing we're supposed to do every single day when we wake up. Put that seatbelt on, ra- get wrapped in his love, let him come yes. in and saturate you right. every single morning so he can provide that safety and that comfort yes. throughout the day. It doesn't change what happens in the day. It changes how you respond to what happens in the day. Yes. Man, right.
1: that's good.
2: come on. I just felt that this morning as we were going through that to to understand how important his love is and how important it is that you understand how much he loves you. That's the key. And if you understand that and you walk in that, guess what? He's all around you. He's going before you. Man, and it's for generations. So what we're doing now, what these teenagers are doing now, man, that's setting up generations to come. This is not just about you as a teenager. This is generations to come. Where do you see your families when you get older? Where do you see your kids and your grandkids? This is important. What we do is important. Worshiping him is important. Man, just being loved by him is so important. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we can come before you this morning and just worship you. That's why we're here. We're not here for anything else. We're not here to hear a special message or anything, but we're here to worship you. We're here to come before you and thank you and love on you. Mm. So I'm thankful we get to do that this morning. So, Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that, that you first loved us. Yes. <laughs> you first loved us.
1: Yes, you did.
2: We're not loving you, so you yes, will love us. You right. first loved us. Yes, you did. So we're just loving you back, Lord. Yes. And we thank you for that. We thank you for everything you've done in our lives, everything you're doing, and everything you're about to do. So, Father, have your way. I have your way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on, one last time. Let's give them some love. That was good, <laughs> She gets excited, man. She's like, Let's just give them love. We're just going to bang on this thing. That is so awesome. Oh, man, well, thank you all for coming out this morning. Um, Man, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say anything else. I'm supposed to pray over the kids. I know that. We're going to receive offering this morning, and then we're going to go on our quick break. Um, So, man, yeah, let's just, uh, Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you. And I thank you for these kids. I thank you, Lord for everything you're going to do in them today and throughout this week and throughout their lives, Lord. So I ask you to bless them, bless the teachers. Lord, just be with them this morning. Have your way. Father, we just, we just agree right now that there's going to be a change in their life. There's going to be something just infused in them, Lord, that your love will overcome them while they're in the ministry today as they're being taught this morning, Lord. I just ask that you just let them be filled up by your love. Just bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll talk about giving real quick because we're going to receive offering this morning. Um, I really had nothing planned for that other than to tell you that I thank you for everything you do. We can't do what we're doing, what we're about to do uh, in this community and what we plan on doing without your faithfulness. And I don't have to talk about giving around here because people give. So I I literally just get to say, you get to love on God. Giving is worship. And when you give, you're worshiping him. And that's what it should be. So every time you give, it should not be out of reluctance. You shouldn't be like, I can't believe I have to give again. I can't believe I got paid and I have to give. No, it's not about that. And I've said it a million times. If you're going to come in and have a bad attitude about giving, don't give. (laughs) I don't want it. So let's let's do what God wants to do. Let's be cheerful givers. Let's bless him this morning. Let's worship him this morning. Um, and man, let's I just know what he's doing with it all. So I'm excited about what he's doing with everything uh, that we do as a family. Uh, he's got big plans for us, and I'm excited about that. So you can text to give. You can give up. We'll have our ushers. We'll have baskets up front. You can come up here and give. Uh, so we're going to pray over the offering, and then we're going to take about a 10-minute break, get, some, get a drink, use the restroom. We'll be back in here. We'll get to the message. So Father, we love you. We thank you. And Father, I thank you for the hearts in this house. I thank you for all the families here. I thank you for people that call this home and Lord, right now, Father, I just I just ask that you'll touch their hearts. Father, whatever it is you want them to give, Father, I ask them to be obedient in that and to give. And Father, we just love you. So, Father, we ask you to bless them and bless this house with everything that, that's, that's given this morning. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And we'll be right back. We love you guys.
3: Oh, a good God, I have a father, he is my daily bread, my living water. I have a promise, he will deliver, I'm satisfied, I'm satisfied, cause he He satisfied because you she... I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied.
2: Safe and everything good in the hands of the doctors. And we, yeah, we fix the bathroom and all kinds of good stuff. So uh, we had to, we had stuff to do. But so I do apologize. But I am back. So please make some plans. I'll be here. My goal is to be here, unless something comes up. Is this thing popping? How about that? Does that sound better? You guys got to help me here. I can't hear anything. It doesn't come back to me. So, well, thanks for being here. If you are new, do us a favor. We have connect cards. You can fill out. You can fill out one online. Uh, we'll have one up there. You can scan that and fill it out, or you can fill it out manually. We have those out at Connection Point. Uh, take some time, fill that out. Let us know you were here so we can reach out to you. We can thank you. We can pray for you. We can share information with you. That's all we're trying to do with that. So um, if we can take some time and fill that out. That'd be great. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you do that. If you want more information about our church, you can download our app. Uh, that'll be out there. You can click on the screen. They'll have it up there. Uh, you can download our app right there, get all kinds of information. Chuck, can you check the air? What's that set at, man? It's hot in here. Get that thing down to like 70. Come on. Yeah, 68's good. Look, I don't care if y'all freeze. I'm sweating. (laughs) Freezing will make you stay awake. I'm up here dripping. My armpits can only hold so much. In the house. We pay the bills. <laughs> Crank that thing up. Let's use it before we lose it. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, download our app, get some information. Uh, we do have our Kingdom classes every week. So, nine o'clock class this morning was actually really awesome. We had Path to Potential with Ebony. She came in. She's with the community college uh, uh, of uh, in Alabama, Central Alabama. or She's with all community colleges, I think. She's over. So, like, she does all kinds of stuff with them, but she shared information. Uh, about what the community college is for in Alabama, how they can help your kids now while they're in school, like the dual enrollments and all the college credits. And even if you're not, For for us older generation, if we want to go back to school, there's a lot of free stuff. And I mean, it was amazing. So thank you so much for sharing that this morning. I can't wait to have you again. I'm already booking her to come speak to the teens on a Wednesday. I think that would be huge for them to understand the options that are out there uh, for them when it comes to school. I believe we all have a gift and a passion. I believe God can use that. Some of that's going to require education. I don't believe we're all called into education, but I think some of us will be based on what God wants us to do, and there has to be a way and an avenue for you to do that. Um, So I think that's important. Other people might be called into different things, and we got to figure out a way to get people there too. So that was really good, so thank you. Next week we're going to do a spiritual gift assessment. If you've never done that or you want to update yours, I'll be teaching that class um, next week, 9 o'clock. And then you got Send Me, which is Mission Possibilities for Amber. She's uh, going to be teaching her first class over there for the kingdom classes. She just got back from Guatemala like last week. So on, on her second mission trip, she went down to Mexico with us, then Guatemala. So she has a lot to share to talk to you about what that looks like. And then your Holy Temple of Nutrition, uh, Brother James, is going to be teaching that. He's a physical trainer, but he wants to help us keep our body healthy and what should we eat and how should we work out to be on this earth as long as we possibly can. So let's do our part, let God do the rest. That's a really good one. And uh, so, look, schedule that in there. Just come at 9 o'clock instead of 10. Uh, Get here at 9. It's over in the annex. It'll be fun couple other information, a uh, little bit of information. We got Praise in the Park this coming Saturday. Come on, y'all. If you didn't see the signs everywhere. Praise in the Park this Saturday, 6 p.m. in Millbrook. Um, once again, we have other churches coming out to team up with us. We had a great time last time, and I believe God's going to just add to that. So we're going to be praying for weather, right? So this is one of those events where I'm not canceling it unless we get to about, you know, three hours prior, and we know there's like a tornado coming or it's raining. We don't want to be out there drenched, but we want to be drenched by the Holy Ghost, but not drenched uh, by the rain that day. So, but please put that on your calendar. Bring some chairs. We're going to have food. We're going to have worship. It's going to be an amazing time. So I look forward to that. We've been, we're doing this every single month through November, and I believe God's supposed to do some amazing things in all this, and he already has. Uh, so I, I'm real excited about that. So we'll see you out there Saturday. Come out Monday night for prayer. Uh, when you come out Monday night, six o'clock for prayer right in here. But then this week, we're going to go down to the park. We're going to be praying over the park. We're going to start preparing that spiritually uh, for lives to be changed. And that's what we're trying to do, guys. We're just trying to take back the city. We're trying to, and this, this is what's happening though. Like we're doing this and then we're getting phone calls. So <laughs> we're doing these things. And like this week, Kevin had to go down because we got invited to go to Stanhope. Elmore, they're doing a back-to-school thing, so we're going to be teaming up with other churches, backpacks, we're going to have worship music playing, we're going to have food, we're going to be pouring in, that's on the 29th uh, of this month, so we're going to go out there and pour into the community there. There's going to be like 300 backpacks to give away, and so we're going to do that. And then I got noticed uh, just the other day from the um, Elmore or Millbrook Middle School, they're looking for men to come mentor their kids, so they reached out to us, And said, if we have any men that want to come out and mentor the boys uh, that are in the school uh, to be dads and to pour into them. So, look, when you start opening things up in the community, the community is ready. It's not like there's not a need. Okay? It's the fact that nobody's been opening their door saying, we'll do something. That's what I believe. So, we're finally saying that. So, now we're getting the knocks on the door saying, hey, we got, got, you know, seventh and eighth grade kids that, that need dads. And we need people that could come mentor them and, and, and share with them. We want pastors, we want coaches, we want whatever. But they reached out to us uh, and they also reached out to some other churches. So we're gonna hopefully build a team. I got information about that later. Um, but yeah, lots of good things happening. I'm just letting you guys know, like this is the start of it. Like we're supposed to pour into that city and now we're gonna start seeing that happen over and over again in multiple ways. So in the school is gonna be the first thing. We're going to hit that generation first, I believe, and it's just going to spark something. We're excited about that. And uh, let's see, today's Baptism Sunday at the end of service. Come on. We got, we got some amazing people. Um, we know now we got two baptisms today. So I know one, and now we just got a second one. So we got two baptisms today. Uh, here's the thing. So, so you know, this is so important. This is not a, uh, like, like like, I'm going to open it up. And so if you feel like you need to get baptized, we have everything here. And you might have been baptized as a kid. Maybe that was a ritual you did, a religious thing you did, where you knew that, you know, when you were five, they said it's time to get baptized and you did it. But what I want you to know is you can't get baptized too many times. Okay, but what that means is that you want to get your heart ready again. If you say, you know what, I'm finally ready to just do this on my own and and, and show everybody what God's doing in my heart right now, because I did it when I was younger and it really didn't mean much. I want it to mean something. Today could be that day. Just let us know. We have t-shirts and shorts and towels. You, you can go get changed and then get baptized. It's that simple. Um, so I just believe God can work miracles in there. I believe amazing things can happen. Um, so I'm excited about that. And so we're going to do that right after service. So please, once we We get to that point, you can can leave if you want. Everybody's got things they want to do and you want to go eat lunch or whatever. But I ask that you stay and celebrate, uh, change lives. That's what this is about. We do this for a reason and that's to see lives change. So let's celebrate that when when we're actually watching that happen. So that'll be right after service. It'll it'll actually close out our service uh, today. And one last thing I want to let you know is our Africa trip, Uh, we're supposed to go to Africa in August has been postponed. We serve a good, good God. And I believe he always has a game plan. And we got a lot of stuff going on, but I was still going to Africa. And Aaron was still going to Africa. And then we got the phone call, and they said, hey, man, we had five other people cancel, so we can't support two groups, and we can't move you two to another group, because logistically, we would need more vehicles and another room. It wouldn't financially make sense. So they said, can you guys do it in February? We said yes. So therefore... With everything going on, it's amazing that when, when you start doing stuff and God has you moving here, it doesn't mean he doesn't want us to be over there. We're still supporting them, but we just got postponed till February. So we're still going. So if you want to keep support, that's actually going to give us time to raise money for that. You know, that's $3,500 a person. So that's kind of big. So we're going to try to, try to get funds put up so that, so that we can take care of of us to go over there and do what God wants us to do once again. We have family over there. If you don't know that, we have an orphanage over there that we pour into, 165 kids. And uh, we have pastors being like raised up and we were ordaining them. And kids, we had 65 kids get baptized last time. I mean, there's powerful things happening. There is a group going, so it's not like it's stopping. That group that's going, they're going to do all the stuff that we were supposed to do. Uh, together, They're going to continue to do that. So the gospel still being preached. They're still doing a big youth event. They're still doing all kinds of stuff. We just won't be part of that. We're going to be part of uh, another team going in in February. So pray about that. And uh, I'll get you more information about that. Whew. I think I covered everything. Man, I wish that was the message. That would have been quick. You've all have been eating a Cracker Barrel here in about five minutes. But it wasn't the message, and it's going to get a little bit longer. So, Father, I love you, and I thank you. Father, I ask you right now, touch my heart, touch my lips. Lord, let this be all of you, none of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so once again, uh, it's nice to be back. Didn't Ginger do an amazing job last week? Come on. I think she's online. Is she running online? Ginger, you did an amazing job. And now this week, she's not even in here enjoying. She preached last week. She's back there running online. And when she's not back there, she's usually back behind the production booth running stuff. So, or she's singing on the stage. Uh, what an amazing message. We got to watch it online. Thank you all so much. Uh, it was so good uh, to, to be able to sit back and watch it online. And she did an amazing job. You know what's awesome is I, I said, Ginger, I believe God wants you to speak. She was like, okay. Like I was ready to do the pitch. Like, like all right, I want you to pray about this. I really want you to think about when. She was like, okay. Like, like I'll speak and I'm like, come on. I was like, this is awesome. So I love that about our family here is that you guys have been challenged enough. You guys are prepared enough that I'm pretty sure I could ask quite a few of you to walk up here and speak. And you would come up and in a heartbeat and share what God put on your heart. That's powerful. That's how a church is supposed to operate. So I do apologize for not being here, but I got to let you know, I'm a little selfish when it comes to that. Like when I'm here, I want to speak to the family. I'll let it go sometimes, but, but when I'm not here, I do need people to speak to the family, and it's nice to know that we have people that are willing to, uh, to get up and do what God wants us to do. So um, I did want to do a special announcement. We did meet a family. Uh, we were in Ocala, and I met a family that watches online, and they came over to my mother-in-law's house just to, just to meet us and say hi. So uh, big shout out to Rick and Sue. Appreciate you guys for watching online. Um, Nice to meet y'all. That was awesome. Uh, We were in the middle of of ripping out a floor in a bathroom when they came over. So they got to see me doing what I love to do, fixing stuff. Uh, I love that. That's when you can just sit and talk to somebody and be real, uh, which is what it's about. So we've been in this uh, series on shine. You guys been enjoying this? I don't think it's going anywhere. (laughs) I mean, I think it's going somewhere in our hearts, but I don't know if God really wants me to stop speaking about this. Because every time I sit down and read the Bible, everything just kind of pops out in this manner and, and really um, about what we're doing and what we do matters. And how we do it and what we do truly matters. And, and that's what he was putting on my heart this week is that we have to, um, to, to continue to do what we're doing. We're not given the gift of salvation to just hang on to it and be thankful. Um, we got it so that we can now turn around and go out and show people what we got. And to show them how good God is so that we can turn around and start growing the family, the kingdom family, not this church family. You know, I'm not concerned about the church family. I'm concerned about a kingdom. Okay. So how do you do that? You change hearts and minds through action, through, yeah. through what we do. It's through deeds. It's through how we do it. That's what that's all about. Okay. But if we just think that we got saved so we can sit at home and never show up to church or we can literally uh, just keep that to ourselves and never talk about who he is and what he's done in our life, that's wrong. We were not called to do that. We were called to go out and, and, and actually show people what he's done in our life and show the love of Christ and get out there and be Jesus in a city. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Uh, in our community, what that means is that we've got the back to school thing. We got the middle school mentor thing. We got the food drop going on. We got praise in the park. But then it's also here in the church. So you don't forget, we got to take care of our family. Don't forget that we have people every week serving in here. And a lot of the things we serve in doesn't mean you miss service. A lot of people say, well, I don't want to serve because then I'll miss service. No, there's like maybe two people out there right now in Ginger Online and <laughs> the children's ministry. So you can serve. Like you can literally say, I want to pour back in and I want to do good deeds in my family, in the church and help people out. So we don't always have the same people back there. If you don't understand, we changed. We've had this motto for a while. I don't know if you heard it, but we don't have members. We don't have a, We're not a member driven church. We do not have members here. So don't come to me and ask about membership. We have owners. Owners have responsibilities. Members have rights. We have no rights in here. Just because you come to our church, you have no rights in this church. You don't get a parking spot. You don't have a locker room. Uh, those Those are rights that are given to people that pay a membership. You are owners, so this is yours. We're a family. Owners have responsibilities. You ever own a house? You rent a house, that's different. You can mess something up, call the the landlord. Hey, man, I messed something up, I need you to fix. You own a house, you're like, man, either we're going to live in the mess or I'm going to fix it, right? So this is yours, what we do is yours. So so we have a responsibility here. So there are works that have to be done. There are things we have to do, not only in the house, but in the community. Um, So we need help, children, students, production, worship, first impression we got people who are supposed to be in the parking lot and and we have people that set up flags and all these guys they come in and do this and then they're in service but should the same people have to do that all the time when we have a family no we're supposed to share responsibility all right so serving is something you should want to do not something you should be forced to do so i'm not going to twist your arm i'm not going to twist your arm and say you have to serve what i'm going to say is i shouldn't have to ask you to serve I don't know. I sit around my house. I shouldn't have to ask my kids to get up and do something. Right? You, how many times have you said that? Should I have to ask you to go help with the dishes? Well, I shouldn't have to come up here and ask people to, to serve with a good heart. <laughs> but we serve, and we have lots of opportunities to do that. So it's not, just, not, not good enough just to be born again and live that life. We have to go out and actually do something with that. Um, and we do that by maturing in our faith. And I think that, that there's levels of faith. And I think when we first give our heart to Christ, we're in a faith level. where We're like, wow, this is awesome. What do I do? Right? But I think as you serve, as you get into these deeds, as you get into these works, as you start doing things, it matures who we are. Right? And it makes us stronger in our faith, more mature Christians. And pretty soon, it's not like pulling teeth to do something. You just do it. Like, you're, you're actually arguing with people because you want to do it and they're doing it. We have people like that. But I love them, <laughs> but I'm like, if you don't get out of the way, nobody else is going to do it. Right? So we can't, you know, we got to make room for everybody else to, to serve and be part of what we're doing. So we should be maturing in that, in good actions, and, and man. And that's important because works are important that people see that in your life. So I'm going to get into some deep scripture and probably most difficult scripture you, you have to read and try to explain to people, because people think it contradicts all the other scripture that's out there. But but here's what I know. When I gave my heart to Christ, people didn't believe that I gave my heart to Christ. Because I looked the same. And when I did it, I talked the same. (laughs) I looked the same. I didn't change much. And that's wrong. There should be a change in your heart. There should be a change in who you are. And people should see that. Like if I was a grumpy old man, gave my heart to Christ, I shouldn't walk around as a grumpy old man saying I'm saved. Does that make sense? I'm not allowed to be grumpy anymore. Like there's something that has to change in that if it's true faith, if it's truly being born again, something inside of you changes. And when it changes, people start to see it. So so what happens is that the works that it's talking about is so that people can actually see you as a different person. Like God knows you, like faith is faith. Like we can talk about this all day. I've got scripture, I'm gonna get into it and I probably should slow down because I'm getting way ahead of myself because Abraham had faith, right? And he was righteous based on his faith, not his works. So don't get me all messed up today. I'm gonna to cover all this. This is not about a works-based ministry or you know, works doesn't give you salvation, right? So you need to understand, but the Bible actually covers all this and we'll get into it. man. But yeah, so my actions had to actually prove who was inside of me now and who was controlling my life. And when I started acting differently, people started going, "Man, there's something different about you, okay. right?" So, and you can't impact other people's lives if there's nothing different about you to impact them with. I could literally hang around with the same people that I used to hang around with, but I was different. So when I was different, they were like, "We don't like hanging around you anymore. <laughs> you're not the same person. That, you know, you, you're just not the same." Like. So I'd be like, that's fine. And I'll find new friends. (laughs) I tried. You try to impact them. You try to be around people and impact them. Uh, But man, so, uh, but Christians have a bad rap. And if you don't know that, when you tell somebody you're a Christian, there's so many different layers to that in churches and denominations and everything that you don't know who messed somebody up one time in their life. Right? Right? So, So the word Christian has really been splattered right? So so some people go, oh, well, you're a Christian. Like, I did that. Like, that's part of my story. You know, people coming to me as Christians, and I'm like, I don't want nothing to do with you, man. That happened to me. Like, I don't want to deal with anybody like you. You're all hypocrites. I don't care. Like, get away from me. And I did that for years because of that, right? So So you don't know what's happened to somebody. You don't know what they've been dealing with. And just because they're Christians doesn't mean that they're walking the right walk just because they say they're Christians. Like I know some people that say they're Christians and they're pretty messed up. They just kept doing the same stuff and called themselves Christians. So they had no works, but they believed it was all faith. Well, I believe in God, so I guess I'm good. And they kept doing the same thing, which is wrong. And then you go to people like um, Jehovah Witnesses, Buddhists, um, Mormons, right? They have amazing works. I tell you what, they they can walk the walk, they can toe the line, they look amazing. But their faith on the other side is different, so they're just as bad. So, today's message is not going to be about faith or works, it's about faith and works combined together. Because you can have too much of one and not enough of the other. Does that make sense? So, so that's where I'm going to kind of dive in today. Uh, We're going to get into this. So, it is a confusing scripture in the Bible. We're going to be in the book of James. Ah... Jim Paul knows what I'm talking about, the book of James. So let me help you. Can I teach today? You guys good if I just teach? I'm not going to preach today. I don't know if I'm ready to yell and scream and jump up and down, but I want to teach a little bit today. Okay. And I believe this is good. So we're going to be in the book of James uh, to understand, you know, in the book of James, like anytime you read scripture in the Bible, I think uh, you, I, I like to talk about it in the 2020 vision. So you read 20 scriptures before and 20 scriptures after to get the context. You just can't read a scripture and say, well, that's what that means. You really got to understand context in a scripture. Does that make sense? Is everybody good with that? I probably say that a lot today. So I want to talk about the context of James and what we're looking at. So when I look at this, I want to know, well, who's writing the book? I want to know who are they writing to? uh, What's going on uh, in the environment at that time? What's going on with the people at the time and the culture at that time? You got to understand everything uh, before you can say, well, that's exactly what that means you got to understand grammatically what's trying to be said through the words. you got to understand all that stuff to actually get a firm foundation of what the Scripture says. So if you've never done that before, it's very fun. Start studying the Bible that way, and it'll start just, I mean, it just unfolds to you, and you can't stop reading it. So the book of James um, is, a, is a good book, <laughs> And it really get people really get into this one because it, let, let's break it down. Let's just go. I'm just going to do it this. Let's just do this the freestyle way, okay? So who wrote the book of James? James. Who is James? Half brother of Jesus, All <laughs> right. So brother of Jesus. He he wrote the book of James. Who was he writing it to? Churches. Twelve tribes. I think it says it right in the beginning of the book of James. What's it say? Yes, he's writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers. So who's, who's he writing to? Jewish believers. Need to understand this. This is the context we have to get. Why is Jewish? Why, you know, Jewish believers, it's important to understand that because back then, Jewish believers, they didn't study a New Testament. It was all Old Testament. They understood laws. They understood rules. They understood all that stuff. So James is trying to reach people that that's what they know. So he's thinking in his head, how can I talk New Testament? This is what Jesus has done to people that only know. And these are believers. These are brothers and sisters. So as you read through it, you'll see where he talks about that. Brethren and brothers. So these are believers, Christian Jewish believers, right, that that are living all about, right? They're, They're scattered about, and they're starting churches, and they're confused, Think about this. This is brand new to them. It's confusing. They're being persecuted by the other Jewish people that used to be their best friends because they're following something different. They're dealing with all the issues of a church. They're dealing with gossip. They're dealing with people with money that want to come in and uh, rule the church and make decisions in the church. They're doing all these things. So when you look at the book of James and you actually look through the whole book of James, it's broken down. You can read through the, the headlines that we put in there, you know, little, little bold topics. It'll tell you kind of what they're talking about. This is a discipleship book, Christianity 101. Everything he's talking about there is important to our walk with Christ and how we do it and how we're supposed to do it, especially when it comes to building a church and, and doing family and life together but they had no clue because this is new to them. So when we read it as people that have been Christians for a while, we've studied the New Testament, we're good. We're like, that's contradicting contradicting everything that's been said. You know, you can't say that, James, if Paul said this, that's because you're out of context. There's a lot of stuff in there that sounds like it's going against what somebody else said, but it's not. You're just not reading the, the word correctly and you're not putting it in context to who he's speaking to. You guys getting this? All right. So they had all kinds of issues, right? So I'm looking at, at some of the stuff they dealt with. They're struggling how to live with one another. Um, they had trouble getting along with each other. Um, they, they, they knew they had to get rid of Old Testament law, but how much? What, what, what part of the law would do we get rid of? They didn't know. These are brand new Christians. So what are we supposed to follow? What are we not supposed to follow? Uh, They had trouble knowing who to put in the positions of authority. They had trouble facing persecution. And they had trouble knowing how to pray and when to pray and what to pray for. These are things that Jewish people had issues with because all that was spelled out for them. So this is why. So you got a little context now, right? So James is writing it. Brother of Jesus. That would be a really hard job, by the way. What Weston and Brian go through is nothing. <laughs> I know you're a lot like Jesus, man. I really do. So I know your brother gets on you all the time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he was nodding like, "Yeah, that's me. I'm the I'm the good one." No, but y'all you know hard that be to be the brother of Jesus? You can't do anything right. <laughs> I don't understand it. But I was I was reading that and I was like, "Oh come on, man, this is horrible." <laughs> so he's trying to give him a crash course in Christianity, and this is this is what we get. And this is kind of what what James says in a nutshell, he says, you're going to face persecution. Here's how to handle it. And this is what the book of James spells out. He goes, you're going to try to get power. Your people are going to try to get power in the church. Don't let them. There will be some who try to sound wise and educated. If they truly are wise, they will show it by their conduct. Yes. One of the biggest problems in the church is gossip. So watch your tongue. Yes. All right? And prayer is virtually... Uh, Are vitally important for all the health of the church. So make sure you pray. This is what James is saying throughout the book of James. And it's not a big book. So go ahead and read through it. Not today. I'll I'll probably take care of most of that for you. Um, But go ahead, go home, read it, study it, understand how big uh, context is. But one of the biggest questions they had when it came to the Jewish people in that culture was works. They go, what are we still supposed to do? Like, we have to do something. And that's where James was like, oh, man, you're not understanding what, what's being said. Like, like, your faith, right, you, you were saved by faith. Your, your righteousness comes through faith, not works. But they couldn't understand that because they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, we just came out of the law, and everything was I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to do this. So there was a struggle there, and that's where we're going to pick it up. We're going to go to James 2. And I'm going to read, uh, well, I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to stop. read, stop, read, stop, read, stop. You guys know the way I do this. We're going to James 2, we're going to be in 14. I'm going to read through 26, 14 through 26. And this is where we, we get into this, um, this works base and, and what does all this stuff mean. So, so this is where I'm going to pick it up, James 2, 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Okay, now this is where things start to get fishy because people go, well, hang on one second. You said it was through faith, but you're saying I can't, you know, I can't save anybody through that kind of faith. So what faith are you talking about? And this is where it all gets kind of, you got to start diving deeper into the Bible, um, and what it's truly saying is that, um, what's the best way to say this? I'll tell you what, uh, maybe I'll just go, go off from it. So what is it, <laughs> what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? So basically, let's stop there. If you gave your heart to Christ, if you say you're born again, there should be an action that follows that. Something should change inside of you because you are obviously not Jesus. Right, So we all got somewhere to go. We all can move up one step. We can all climb up the ladder one more step. What is it inside of you that needs to change right? when you gave your heart to Christ? Something changed in you. Something moved inside of you. Okay, So, so it says, dear brothers, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions. Man, so there should be an action that follows. It says, can that kind of faith save anyone? Can it save anyone? So I have to ask two things. So this is what popped in my mind when I said it. Uh, Is it truly faith if it doesn't change how we act? So have you truly surrendered? Have you truly accepted Christ as your savior? Have you been born again if it doesn't change anything in your actions, in your heart or your desire? Because change takes time. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that there's no desire inside of you to do different. Something's wrong. We need to rethink this. We need to spend some more time and and really talk about this. And then can that kind of faith save anyone? I took that to another level because if you say you were born again and that's the faith you have is, is the actions you are now doing and walking in, will that help anybody else get saved? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So the faith that you're portraying to people, how you walk your life, how you do everything in your life, is that a saving faith? So when people look at that, can they see that? Can they actually see something different where they go, I want that. That's what I want for me. Or is it the life we're living? They're going, well, I already got that. That ain't no better than what I already got. So it means something when we say we're going to live differently and we're going to let them come in. If we go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, I think it kind of jumps on top of this. And it says, um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. So there's your proof in the Bible. Salvation is not a reward from the good things you've done. So you can't say, I earned it. Because I did good, I got it. Nope. You want it, you get it. <laughs> you believe, it's yours. yours. A lot of people have a hard time with that, but that's where it comes from. So I'm just trying to contrast the differences here because James is is speaking something that if you don't understand the context of who he's talking to, this could get very confusing. So God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So when you believed, God saved you. So ultimately, when I look at James, it's talking about two different things. And I'm just going to throw this out there in the beginning. You got a saving grace a saving faith there's the faith of abraham there's the the faith of a believer to be born again that's heaven or hell and then we're going to talk about some works that come in that lead to a judgment when christ is on the judgment seat and now he's judging christians he's judging believers and the bible said that he's going to judge us for everything good and bad we've done but that judgment is going to come across some things, and it's going to deal with what people call rewards in heaven. Heaven's big, y'all. Jerusalem, the new city, is going to be huge. Just read about it. It's gigantic. Talks about it in the Bible. Right? But there's gates to it, which means heaven has gates to the city, which means there's other parts. Go deep now. Go with me. I'm swimming down the ocean right now. Heaven's going to be huge. Right. And there's going to be people in heaven. But I believe based on our works that we can be rewarded for our rewards, we would get in heaven. It's not a works based get to heaven. It's when when you get there, you're going to look Jesus in the eye and say, he's going to be like, well done, man, you did good. And guess what? If you do this, what I'm doing, it says they're going to be judged even harder. So if you're praying about doing this, pray about doing this. Because he's I'm going to judge you harder. So, so, there's a, there, so there's two things we're talking about here. It's faith, salvation, faith, heaven, or hell. And then it's faith, like, hey, are, are you doing works, right, on earth that will then be treasures in heaven? Does that make sense? Is everybody good? Am I losing anybody? All right. Let's, we're tracking. Now we're using my language. We're tracking. All right, let's go to verse 15, back into James 2. Because now what it does is he talks about this. You know, if you go back to 14, it says, can that kind of faith save anyone? Now he gives an example. And he says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, in verse 17, so you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. See, this is where people start spinning things around and go, see, if you don't do anything, you're dead. That's not what it's saying. Dead, if you define dead in there, it's talking about useless. It's talking about um, something that can't be totally uh, used for good anymore. It doesn't mean like life or death, um, it means no longer, it does, you know, if you define it, there is a def- definition for it of no longer alive. But if you look at it, it says lack of activity or excitement. You think you could live your life as a Christian with lack of activity or excitement? I think I see some people doing that all the time. Useless, unproductive, ineffective, unprofitable. If you go to King James, New King James, some of the other versions, it says it uses profit in that. It says it's not profitable. It talks about, and what that means is it's not, it means you're not going to gain anything from it. Does that make sense? So it says, if you have faith without works, there'll be no gain in heaven for you if you don't do some of these things. It doesn't mean if you don't do works, you're not going to heaven. Man. Because some, sometimes people don't have that chance. Look at the guy hanging next to Jesus on the cross. He, he couldn't do anything. He could just believe. So you can't tell me that, that works, it's a work-based work salvation. That doesn't work. That's not what the Bible says. You can go into, Paul talks about it in all the other scriptures. We can go in John, we can go everywhere. It says that it is faith and faith alone that will get you there. But man, I don't know about you, but if I'm going somewhere new, I kind of want the Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I just really want a big 2,500. You know, I can do anything in my truck. I just, the Lamborghini can only go so far. I mean, we are going to be on streets of gold, so I don't know how much I'm going to need my truck. But what I'm saying is, that it's not based on it. But I do want every like like if God is saying we can experience something in heaven we've never experienced on earth, then man, I, I want whatever you want to give me. But I don't do things to get that stuff. I do things because my heart wants to do things. If that's the byproduct of it, come on. Like, what an added bonus. You know, do good in school. Why? Because you can get a scholarship that pays for your college. Yes. I don't know. That's a good reason to do good in school. But kids that don't understand the cost of college, they don't have in, that's not an incentive for them to do good in school. Does that make sense? If you don't understand how much it costs, that's not an incentive. So if you know the cost of things, it kind of makes things important. So I know the cost of not doing good deeds here on earth. Ah. <sighs> So 2 Corinthians, let's go there. I just want to give you the the scripture behind what I just told you. You might be hung up on the two judgment thing. So let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, 5.10. It says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good and evil we have done in the earthly body. That there is scripture talking about Christians, which means you're already in. But then you're going to have to stare them in the eyes. So I just wanted to give scripture to it. Think about that. I mean, you're talking to him. James is saying this in 17. You know, what, what would you say? Let's just put that into our own context. So you see a brother or sister need food and clothing. You walk by and say, man, God will bless you. Keep praying. That's what these people are talking about. He's giving an example. He says, you have somebody that has a need and you have the capability of providing for them. You should provide for them. Right? You shouldn't walk away and say, well, I had faith that God was going to send somebody. God sent you. Amen. Like, they were praying. You were praying, God, use me. And then when God finally puts you in a position to help somebody, you're like, oh, that costs too much. <laughs> ah, Lord, can you give me something easier? Like, can you start me out on the bottom rung? Don't take me to the top rung right now. Like, start me at the low end. Let me, let me earn my, my way up. Let's go to verse 18 so I can keep moving. Now, someone may argue. Now, this is, so you got to understand the context in this. Back then, uh, in the Bible, they didn't write things in quotes. So, you see things in quotes. We put that in there. So, how they would state something, right, in the Bible that somebody was actually saying something, they would put something in there like, now, someone may argue. That's how they did it. They would have to put in a um, verbiage that made it sound like, well, somebody, so this is actually somebody arguing. I'm assuming that somebody sent them a letter and said, hey, Jimmy in the church, he's really a jerk, and he's arguing some stuff. So James is addressing it, right, without using a name and using quotes. This is the only way they could do it back then because that wasn't part of, of how they wrote things. Uh, grammatically in the, in the Bible, that's not what they did. They didn't have the Bible, so they were writing it. So, so now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you? Uh, can, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in in terror. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So, so here, so how you stop the end quotes is when he kind of gets sarcastic. You see in verse 20 where he says, how foolish. That's the end quote. So he was talking about a conversation that somebody was having. He was addressing somebody in the church, saying these things because they came at them with all these questions. He says, let me address it. And all he finishes it with, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? This is what hangs people up. They're like, but if it's useless, then what you're saying is that that if I don't do anything, then I'm not going to heaven. No. Once again, that term useless, that term does not apply to that at this point. All, all this applies to what are you doing for your heavenly life? Like, are you doing something that's making a difference on earth that you'll be rewarded for in heaven? And if not, faith without good deeds is useless. Like, don't you want to do something that's going to build up, you're going to profit from? from. Profit's used in that because that profit you know, profit means the gain. You're going to get something. So James talks about it. He says, if you want to get something out of this, you got to kind of do something with it. Don't sit down and don't do anything because you're not going to get anything for it. So if you look at that, you go, yeah, but is this all about getting something? No, but when you're doing good deeds, you're, you're being an example. You're shining in the community. You're doing things. So you're making a difference and we're building the kingdom. And because of that, guess what? You're going to get some stuff. There's going to be a reward for that. So don't do it for the reward, but man, there's a reward for it. He's just telling people, look, if you don't do anything, there's going to be no reward. And he's talking to Jewish people that live, believe in the law. And they're thinking, so, okay, I should still probably do good stuff. All right. Is this making sense? Is everybody good? (laughs) This is me teaching. I don't know. We're going to go as deep as I can go. Ah. so how foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Like I said before, you know, you can you can have faith without works and you can have works without faith. But we kind of got to do this thing together. There should be faith. And works and works are like, and I'm not just talking about work, these are good deeds, these are good things, these are serving people, this is helping somebody, this is pouring into somebody, this is spending time with somebody. This is not big things. I'm not I'm not saying you have to go home and say, you know what? He said good deeds, let's go give our house away. I'm not talking about that. If God tells you to do it, do it. <laughs> but I'm not saying those things, I'm saying, can you smile at somebody? Can you love on somebody? Can you go out and just be a light in the darkness for somebody and encourage somebody, pray for somebody? These are not hard things. But those are the works they're talking about. These are, these are easy things. These are things that should come naturally to us when we have a changed heart, when we truly believe we're a changed person, we're born again, this is what happens. All right, let's go to 21. Verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And he was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Now I'm going to break this down because this is good. This is, So we're talking about Abraham. So Abraham taking Isaac to the altar happened 15 years after he was already said that his faith made him righteous. So that had nothing to do with him being right with God. 15 years earlier, God said, because you believe, you know, I think it's in uh, Genesis 15, 5 and 6. Do you have that one? says, then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. This is how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was righteous because of his faith, not because he took his son up to the altar. Does that make sense? So it took 15 years as, and if you knew Abraham's life, this guy was not a saint. He struggled with some stuff. He went through some stuff, Right? But when he took his son up there, that was the act of faith. That was the work that, of faith in him that made people go, you're a friend of God. The Bible says, you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. You're shown to people that you're made right with God by what we do. Abraham taking his son up there was in direct obedience to what the Lord, he felt the Lord had told him to do. And him doing that showed everybody around him how mature he was in his faith. How mature he was. Therefore they said, (laughs) who called him? He was even called the friend of God. Who's gonna call him the friend of God? All his people. Everybody that's been walking with him. Not God. Everybody was going, man, you must be a friend of God, man. Look at the faith of this guy. He just took his son up the hill. So his actions is what released that belief. People started believing who he was and how mature he was in his faith through his actions. Make sure I got everything out of it. You guys get that? Does that make sense? Okay. But a lot of people will look at that and read it differently and they'll say, well, if he didn't do anything, then... He wouldn't have been righteous, no? He was already made righteous in the eyes of God through his faith, that was it. All this was was him showing everybody around him how faithful I am. This is why I struggle with the fact, I'd shared this before, that in my office when I was, when I was uh, in the military and teaching in the military, we couldn't openly share our faith all the time. So in my office, I would play worship music and I'd have my Bible. And it really hurt me when one of my instructors came in and said, hey man, uh, I didn't know you was a Christian. I about wanted to put my head through the wall. I was like, what do you mean? Think about that. If people around you would question that, I didn't even know you was a Christian. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> they should see it in you. Everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, they should be asking you, hey, man, something's different. You're kind of glowing. Like, why'd you walk in here all joyful when everybody else is upset? Right? We have a choice in how we walk that out. We have a choice in the works we do so people won't ever question who we are and who we represent. All right, we'll go to 25 because he's talking to Jewish people, right? Go back to context. He's talking to Jewish people. Who is Abraham to the Jewish people? Father of faith, like the man. like the, He was like the greatest of all time. He's like talking to Rocky. He's like, he's the greatest. Like, you can't, nobody can be Rocky, right? The Russian guy couldn't do it. Nobody could, Mr. T couldn't do it. Like, like nobody could be Rocky. So he's like, they're Rocky. They're like, it's Abraham. So you couldn't use anything else against him, right? So they're telling, there's like, like, you're coming against Abraham. Yeah, but Abraham, man, that's like Abraham. Like he couldn't mess anything up. That's why he comes with the next example. In verse 25, he talks about the prostitute. He said, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid. Once again, she was shown, understand that, not made, shown. She wasn't made righteous by her actions, but she was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Okay, so let's go back to that one. So Rahab, right, exact opposite of Abraham. She's a Gentile, not a Jew. She's a woman, not a man. She's a prostitute, not the father of faith. And James is like, you just need to understand. Like, you guys got the wrong perspective. I'm trying to share this with you. Trying to change the way you think. He had to because they just came out of all the religion and they're trying to do what's right. Hmm. So what happens here is James tells them that she, so I'm, I really didn't want to read the whole story of Rahab, but basically let me sum it up. <laughs> so Jericho, wall's going down, two messengers go in. Um, everybody's after the messengers. They go to uh, the Rahab, who's a prostitute. She hides them from, from all the bad people. And then she lies to the bad people and they, she, she lets them down uh, and gets them safe. And because of that, her, her, not only her, but all her whole family is saved. So they come in and save their family before they destroy the whole city. That's in a nutshell. That's the DJ version. I don't think they sell that anywhere. It would be a really quick version. You'd have to do a lot of research with that one. Um, but anyway, it was her faith. So where her faith came in was the fact that, chances are they probably told her what was going on. Like That's probably a conversation I would want to be in. Like, Um, They're trying to kill us. Will you hide us? And she's living in the city and she's a prostitute. She's like, huh? And they're like, we're telling you God's coming. He's going to destroy the whole city. At that point, I think something clicked in her and she said, I believe you. That was the faith that saved. I believe you. I believe in God. And I believe that. Then it was shown to other people when she actually said, hide. Hide. And I'm going to get you out of here. And because of that, right, because of that, her whole family was saved. So she had to do something to save her whole family. Because they had to believe her. They had to believe her. I mean, if you were, I don't know, if I'm a spy and you say you're going to do it, I'm like, I don't know, man. (laughs) How am I going to prove that you're not going to turn me in when they come knock on the door? So they were like, prove it. Like, get us out of here. And then we promise we'll come save your family. And they did. So he gives that example because he needs them to see that, that man, this is not just about some guy named Abraham who is the almighty and, and the rocky of your era and he can't mess anything up. He said, this happens to the prostitute, which back then was lower than low. So he was trying to compare that uh, with everything. You guys get that? All right. So basically, a couple questions for you. Some of you might have dealt with these things. So, do you know why your faith, the faith of even some people, grows cold sometimes? It's because they don't have works in their life. It's important. Works mature us. They're not mandatory, but guess what? It's hard for me to not think of him when I'm doing good. Like when I'm out blessing people and loving on people, like he's always on my heart, always on my mind. And there's people that go, well, man, I'm kind of losing my faith. First thing I'm going to say is when's the last time you actually went out and did something to actually prove your faith to people? That's important. It's important we do stuff. It's important that we actually get out and do stuff. Or, how about you know why some Christians lack um, joy and intimacy and closeness with God? It's because they don't have works. I'm telling you, there's some people that, that well, how do I get closer to him? I don't know. Try doing something for him. Try listening to his voice, and when he tells you to go do something, go do it. Try to be part of something bigger than you, try to be part of something bigger than, than this, these walls of this church. Like, get outside of this church and let's go do something. That, that can change it because it's not only helping the community it's helping you it's growing you it's maturing you in your faith because none of us are sitting there going man I just can't get any more faith like I'm just maxed out in faith man I'm so good I'm number one pick on a fantasy football team fantasy faith team that's what we're going to call it fantasy faith team I'm going to pick my faith team who do I want you know you're not that guy like, like we're not that good Mm. Does God sometimes feel distant? Feel like you're out of fellowship with him? Chances are you're not working. You're not doing what he's asking you to do. Because when you're doing what he's asking you to do, man, he's right beside you talking to you the whole time. And you feel him. You feel his presence. You're just part of it because you're pouring into other people and you're doing what he wants you to do. Ah. How about those Christians that always seem immature and never seem to grow? You ever seen Christians that are always at the same level? You're like, man, I've been talking to you about the same thing for 10 years. Check out how much work's in their life. What are they actually doing to mature in their walk? Some people are just taking what they get and they're sitting on it. And they're comfortable with it. But it's not changing the world. It's not doing what we're called to do, bring heaven to earth. Man, we're the ones that he put out there. We're the change agents. We're the ones that are supposed to be out there inducing light in the darkness. Mm. How about Christians that struggle with sin? Believe it or not, do some works. Understand Understand the power in the work and how God will move through you in that. And man, there's no space for darkness in your life. But you can't flip that. It can't be all works and no faith. And it can't be all faith and no works. There's a joint thing there. This has got to be faith and works together. So faith and works. So works helps faith mature. Works energizes our faith. Works make your, it makes your faith vibrant. And works are not the cause of salvation, they're the evidence of your salvation. Works are the evidence of your salvation. So last scripture will be Galatians 6, 9. So, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should be we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Especially to who? Those in the family of faith. So we're supposed to take care of everybody. But man, in the family of faith, if somebody's struggling, if somebody needs something, we're supposed to pour out abundantly to that. You know, if, if somebody in the family of faith wants to go do something and doesn't have money to do it, we should be pouring into that because we probably can't do it or weren't called to do it, but they were. Amen. So our job is to pour into that and help them. We're supposed to help people in the church. This is, this is a family. That's why I hate calling it a church. This is a family. When you're in a family, guess what? We take care of people. Right? We take care of people. When we know there's a problem, we help take care of it. When we know there's a financial need, we help take care of it. It says, especially to those in the family of faith. Doesn't mean leave everybody else out. It just says, man, there's something special about that. When we're doing this together, man, that's family. And we're going to take care of family. We're going to do what's right. So we should do good for those that are lost and especially good to those people that have the faith. And that's why it's important that as owners of this house, as owners of this, we do our very best to serve this family, which is why it's important that you should, you know, it's not like if you should serve, but when you serve, when, when, you, when you finally realize there's a place for you to serve in this house, that you do it. Like you actually do it. And there's lots to do. There's people, like, there's people that serve all over the place. You don't even know it. <laughs> There's so much background service going on that nobody knows about. I mean, from meal trains and all kinds of stuff that we do uh, in and around. That, that I get to see the workings of it. I get to see it all come together. I get to see all the cards. Everybody ever got a birthday card? Oh, you I see a lot of hands going up. <laughs> yep, you don't see those people up here saying, I wrote all those birthday cards. I talk about them once in a while, but we have people in here, that's how they serve. And it's all behind it, it just changes lives. And it just... Induces joy and love. And so there's a place for people to serve in the family, be it small groups, be it whatever. You got to make your 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 place known and, and get plugged in and start doing what God's asked you to do, because we're especially supposed to do it for the family. There shouldn't be a struggle in the family. So serve the house. So I'm not twisting your arm, but it's not an option anymore. We're owners. I don't want to sit in what we have. I think we can do this better. Mm. So it's not about you. We can't be selfish anymore. That was one thing that that we talked about was being selfish. It's selflessness. Right? Not being selfish. The only reason why you won't serve is it's a selfish reason. (laughs) You're like, you can't say that because I had this or that. No, I get it. But I can tell you that if I can't be here on Sunday, I can find a way to serve on Wednesday. If I can't be here on Wednesday, I can find a way to serve on Monday. If I can't be here on Monday, I can find a serve sometimes when we're doing an event somewhere because, oh my Lord, if you haven't been in this church long enough, we do a lot of events. (laughs) We're all over the place. You can find something. And if that doesn't work, you can make a meal for somebody or you can have a small group or you can. So the only reason why you can't is because you're choosing not to. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. So choose to, that's easier. Helps more. So, we have a bunch of good opportunities coming up. We've talked about them already, and we can do that. And as we do these things, as we get out in the community, as we help out in the church, as we do this as a family, we start to mature in our faith. It took Abraham 15 years, it took Rahab like a couple days. Come on. It doesn't need to take 15 years to mature. Hers happened like that. She matured to the same level he was at. The father of faith. Come on. That's serious stuff right there. So that's important. That's important that we we understand that. It's important that we let our faith shine everywhere we go and everything we do. Everything we do, everywhere we go. Let it shine. Amen? You guys get something out of this? We good? Come on. Jules, I'll probably need your help. So the people that need a T-shirt, since I wasn't able to meet with them in the beginning, um, we're going to get ready for baptisms. So uh, once again, I said this can be spontaneous. So look, if, if you're, there, there's a work in this. Do you know that? This is one of those works. This is one of those where you say, I have faith. When we get baptized, we are telling people publicly what's happening in our heart. It's an action. It's a faith action. It's the the next step. We always say from from being born again, which is the requirement. Being born again, obviously, you've given your heart to Christ, and then we say, "Well, man, I want to tell everybody so that my faith will be shown. So my faith will be shown." And that's what we get to do today. We get to have people come in, uh, get baptized, and let their faith be shown. And I know some. Of probably going to use need some clothing or something so if you're getting baptized today do me a favor you can get up and go out and my wife was out there um in my office outside the door and she'll get you everything you need uh or crystal will be over here and we can make sure we have shorts if you need shorts or anything we'll have t-shirts and shorts and if anybody else now's the time y'all and i and as they're getting ready um as they're getting ready today, I want to prepare your hearts to be ready right now. Um, man, I need to I need to get ready right now. So maybe I'll let Kevin prepare our hearts. Um, <laughs> but my thing is this: it's not too late. And maybe you haven't done this in a while. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I need to really declare what's going on in my heart because things changed over the years. I don't I feel different than I ever did before. And now's the time to let that happen. Now's that time to show that step of faith now now it's that work he talks about about saying let your faith be shown so other people can see what God's doing in your life so I'm gonna let Kevin pray and kind of get us prepared for that as I go get changed so I can jump in the tank and dunk some people amen all
4: right let's try this God is good and all the time all right one more time God is good and all the time. Hey, listen, I'm saying that so we can get ready mentally, you know, emotionally, spiritually. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I believe this is an amazing moment. You know, some of my students were asking me this week and they're asking me about baptism and what is baptism. And, you know, baptism is an outward expression of what's going on inside. Baptism is you saying, listen, I have become born again, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I am saved, and so I want to get in here as a proclamation of my faith. I want to get in here to show the world that I'm following Jesus, and I'm going in the water to symbolize Jesus cleaning me, and I'm coming out to symbolize that Jesus has made me a brand new person. It's not the baptism that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you, right? Amen? Go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to get ready to pray. And listen, if God is moving in your heart right now, if you're if you're thinking, hey, listen, I, you know, it's been 20 years since I got baptized, or it's been two years since I got baptized, and I've had some struggles in my faith, and I want to go ahead and just do this by faith. I want to go into that baptism pool and I want to get baptized I want to show the world that I love Jesus and he's made me a new creation there's no uh, set amount of times that uh, you can do it or you can't do it it's really just on you on Jesus moving in your heart the Holy Spirit moving you and if the Holy Spirit is moving you to get baptized today you can go out there and talk to um, go get some clothes uh, we have plenty of clothes that you can use uh, but i want to go ahead and pray for everyone that's getting ready and is wanting to share their faith with the world today so if you guys would do me a favor close your eyes bow your head father we thank you so much for your goodness god we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy we thank you for your salvation jesus father we just thank you we thank you we thank you for your son jesus and his sacrifice on the cross We thank you, Father, that you sent him, your only begotten son, to die for us. So for whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God, we thank you. We thank you. And Father, we just pray right now, God. We pray right now, Father God, for all of those getting ready to get baptized. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would show up in a mighty way, God. That you would show up in their lives in a mighty way, Father God. Father, that you would be with them, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit as they go in, God. If they're not filled, God, I ask that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would be filled with the promise that you gave us, that you would not abandon us, that you would not leave us, but that you would send your Holy Spirit, the comforter, the teacher. God, we ask that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Hey, man, come on, get your hands together. Come on.
2: Yeah, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting uh, on our dad. Here, tell, her, tell everybody who you are.
0: Um, my name's Kirsten McCallion. I'm Frances McCallion's daughter, Now I'm 14 years old
2: yeah come on Like I got to know her Like uh, I guess she's, she came down and was hanging out if you don't know Frank you're about ready to see him again he baptized two of his daughters last time we did baptism I think last month and it was kind of spontaneous and awesome and then I, I got to meet uh, this young lady she came out to the house and we had everybody out there we were doing some movies and stuff and what a wonderful family you ready brother We figured his best. is Since he baptized the other two, he should probably baptize this one too. I don't want to steal the thunder. Uh, So let's turn a little bit like this so that they can see, and I'll stand over here. Um, You're just going to have to plug your nose and stuff. But first, you want to tell anybody anything?
0: Um, This really means a lot to be saved. Uh, I just, I really struggle with anxiety and a lot of anger from past, um, problems and people in my life. And so I'm ready, I'm ready to the Lord, let it all out and be saved and be a better person for my family and for my friends and for my community.
2: Come on, look, this is why we do what we do. So let's just stretch our arms. Let's pray for her real quick. Father, we love you, Lord. And we thank you for her. We thank you for her heart. Lord, just touch her right now, Father. We know you can, you can remove all that, Father God. You can bring joy and peace and comfort in her. Father, let her light shine to everybody she comes in contact with. Lord, we know you can take everything that was, that was wrong, everything that was messed up, and you can use it for your good. So, Father, just continue to heal her. Heal her heart. Heal everything inside of her. And just make her brand new right now, Father. We, we, just, we thank you for her. We just surrender her to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Woo. So, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. All right then. Frank, I'm going to let you take over from you're going to plug your nose, and by your confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yes! Yeah. Stand over here with oh, Thank you, sir. So come on, how good is that, y'all? This is a, he just had all his three kids down here and all three of them. Come on. In one month. He's had them one month, and this is what happens. Life change, y'all. This is so good. Jordan Briggs, come on in, Jordan. Yeah, we made it nice for you, man. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. We can turn this way so everybody can see you on the camera. Uh, Jordan, why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do here, like what's going on? Um, so basically, I moved out here. I'm trying to go to the um, service. Um, I moved out with my uncle Curtis and just trying. can we turn that down so it doesn't override him talking? So basically, um, I just came from New Jersey. I'm um, Curtis. My old Curtis is trying to get me into the military, so I came out here.
0: I'm just trying to change for the better, stay off drugs, and just do right.
2: And just let my God. Come on. <laughs> I just met him this morning. <laughs> he is uh, Curtis's nephew. Where's Curtis? There he is right there, videoing everything. And uh, he brought him up to me, and he says, man, I'm going to get baptized today. And I was like, awesome. well, come on. come on. So he's fixing uh, trying to get in the military. Uh, trying to get things straight uh, cybersecurity, right? That's what you like. Come on, man. So Jordan, what, what an honor, man. It's, a, it's an honor to be in here with you. Um, if you, if you come on, man. Why do you got to go anywhere, man? Just This is home. <laughs> so uh, have you accepted Jesus your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes, you have. Come on. My mic Michael. him in the military come on y'all man so like I said I'm gonna open it up I don't know if there's anybody else but here's what I'm gonna do we're gonna continue to worship if you feel a nudge if you feel a tug if this is your next step if you want to redo this in your life then you just need to come over here I'm gonna hang out here for a little bit it is warm in here that's why I'm not trying to get out of here too fast he jumped out like it was freezing but it wasn't Uh, so I'm gonna hang out here for a second we're gonna worship And then uh, we'll just gradually kind of end out of here. So we love y'all. We thank you. Be blessed. Uh, And if you want to hang out for a bit and see if anybody else gets baptized, that's awesome. If not, be blessed. Have a wonderful week.